0: Good evening. Welcome to the Mind Behind Leadership here on TalkRadio.nyc. I'm Graham Dobbin, and every week we speak with influencers and leaders from a wide range of industries, professions and backgrounds. Uh, a major component of leadership now is that we have more access than ever of what leadership actually looks like. The challenge is that there's no one size fits all. It depends on the environment and the role but absolutely guaranteed, everybody has an opinion on it. Uh, tonight, we're lucky enough to have someone who needs to wear several hats when working with lots of different teams. Through into the mix that the organisation he leads is part of the world, one of the world's most recognisable and iconic sporting names and brands. Tonight, we're speaking with Tony Hamilton, who is the chief exec of the Celtic FC Foundation. Now, just to give a bit of background, Tony's been with Celtic since 1994. Having started out in journalism with the Irish News in Belfast, he was the lead in Celtic's multimedia and marketing team. And since 2013, he's headed up the club's charitable arm in Glasgow, the Celtic FC Foundation, as its chief exec. And this was after getting his MBA from the University of Strathclyde. Um, Tony has a philosophy of continual learning and the idea that of a society collectively tackling society's issues such as poverty and poor health. He's lectured in leadership and strategy in the third sector to international master's students at St Andrew's University and the University of Glasgow. Still living in the east end of Glasgow, he's happily married with six kids. Wow. Tony, that's a big welcome. You've got a lot going on. Good to see you. And you, Graham. thank you very much indeed for having me on. No, it's a pleasure. And just, you know, we, we spoke about the, the the iconic brand, but just to give some people a bit of background about Celtic and also the foundation, can you just fill in just, uh, just some of that?
1: So Celtic are a world-famous football club formed 133 years ago to feed the poor Irish immigrants in the east end of Glasgow. So those who had survived Angorta more the great hunger in Ireland some 30, 40 years before, and who had fled, uh, they fled to the west of Scotland, to the northwest of England, and to where you are on the eastern seaboard as well. And many of them came to Glasgow. So the football club was, a, was established at that time, Graham, really to generate a financial surplus that would feed these people and the families. And so
0: where does the Celtic FC Foundation come in within that organisation then?
1: I think the, the, the because the football club, and when I say football, your, your other listener may know that as soccer... This is real Um, football we're talking about, real football. This is proper football. (laughs) Um, So the football club was established, as I say, uh, to feed the poor. So it's natural that as we move through time, 133 years later, uh, that the football club uh, is true to its roots, true to its origin. So the purpose uh, now it is clearly uh, there are three strands to the football club's DNA effectively. So football is the, the reason that we are that we still exist. Uh, it's the reason that we are famous and that so many people uh, are engaged with the football club. There is a, a, a commercial strand associated with that because of the football environment that we play in. Uh, we have to be a bit smarter when it comes to generating commercial revenue because we don't have the, the luxury of the English Premier League mm-hmm. and, the, and the funds that that bring. And the third strand of our DNA, effectively, is really charity, uh, which is what I do at Celtic. That, that, that's my job, is to lead its charitable division, which we call Celtic FC Foundation why is it,
0: it's interesting because because companies form for all different types of reasons. Why is it important
1: for Celtic still to have that charitable arm? I think without that need existing, this is Victorian Britain, remember, this is a long, long time ago. Life was, in one regard, life was very, very different then. As we look around now, it's not actually that different. So the more things change, the more they stay the same is the cliche. But it's very true for a big part of the population, not just in the east end of Glasgow, but in the east end of London, in Ireland, in various cities, and of course internationally as well. So things have changed, technologies changed, advancements in medicine and science have changed dramatically. But for a lot of people, things haven't moved on a great deal. And that that's thats the part that we try and play. Uh, and it's not about look how good Celtic is. It's about this is why we were here in the first place. So it's right that we continue to do this work. It's,
0: it, you know, it was something I was thinking about just pre- preparing for this, thinking about us talking. And here in New York, it's exactly the same. The number of kind of soup kitchens and, and people who are needing additional help is is absolutely incredible. One, one, one of the things that we, we, we spoke about in the intro is your philosophy of you know we can help to tackle poverty and poor health, etc. Why
1: is this important to you? I think it's really easy. The easiest thing in the world is to criticize. It's dead easy to say, you know, whether it's about uh, a local authority or a national government yeah. or a decision that somebody's make it's really simple to offer a criticism it's much more difficult to offer something constructive so uh, i and this is my this is my personal view mm-hmm. i don't see the ills uh, that many people face in society as the problem owned by one particular, particular part of the population i don't see it necessarily as a government problem i think we need to take ownership of that society needs to own that and society needs to play a part in combating that so whether that is in the form of government uh, or in international aid or through commerce or industry or the you know the private sector or the public sector i think everyone can play a part and making life better for everybody. And I know that sounds a wee bit idealistic, but I, I don't think that you can just say, that's someone else's problem, and, yeah. and we'll let that someone else go and you know pick that up and run with it. I, I don't think it works like that.
0: And, and it, it kind of seems that in Celtic's DNA, they're, they're one of the organisations that steps up when something needs to be done. They're kind of at the forefront when, when, when people are needing
1: help. Yeah, but I don't think again. Uh, when it comes to charity, we don't we don't own that at Celtic. No, even even within the football club, there are many moving parts. There are many sub organizations who are affiliated in one way or another to the football club, whether that's supporters' clubs or associations or you know g- groups who fundraise to help the. Uh, so that's just internally, if you like, at Celtic. Yeah. And then as you look across across Scottish football, there are forty two professional clubs in the country. And at the last count, I think thirty-seven of them were doing something within their community. So, you know, we're not we're not market leaders, we don't own the right to go and help people. This is part of what I'm trying to say here, that everybody has a part to play. Yep. Um I was involved
0: with some of the, the English football trust thing, so I know even some some of the, the, the smaller clubs uh, down in England yeah. have got their own charitable and own community outreach um, organisations. So give us an idea of the reach. What kind of projects are going on? Where are you involved? What's happened? So, uh,
1: So at the moment, through the COVID crisis, so since late March, early April, it's really been about providing food for people. Right. So that's been the focus. So all of our other normal uh, activity in terms of fundraising and delivery uh, has stopped. So it's really been about food. So the summary for the food, if you like, food and essentials. So, for example, there's no point in providing food for a family uh, who have found themselves through this crisis in dire straits if they can't have the fuel to cook the food. Pretty pointless. And you say, well, during the crisis, the power companies, the gas company or the electric company won't cut people off, which is true in many cases. But for a lot of these families, they have a card that they have to prepay. So if the card runs out, they've effectively cut themselves off. So we need to look after food and essentials at the moment. So that's really the focus. And the past few months look like 11,000 hot meals served to frontline NHS staff, National Health Service staff in the in, in Glasgow. 35,000 vulnerable families and individuals have been supported. We've provided assistance to 9,000 vulnerable pensioners, 4,000 people facing uh, homelessness, 1600 primary school children and we've also included two charities in New York coalition for the homeless and children's aid so that's 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 just through this crisis but that's not what we traditionally do we're not traditionally a funder for other individuals or other third sector organizations really We've got a big focus in poverty. We run a lot of employability projects, which we see as a helping people into employment takes them further away from poverty. So that helps the economy, it helps the families, it helps the individual with a whole series of reasons. Um, and because of the, the positioning of the football club, the, the, the paradigm is a club open to all. Then we deliver a lot of social inclusion projects for children and young people who live with autism and complex physical disabilities and Down syndrome and a lot of elderly people who live with dementia at the moment. So that's what we normally do. But as you know, there's nothing normal at the moment. (laughs) Absolutely not. There must be some big decisions to make then of what to
0: get involved and what you can do and what you can't.
1: I think it's important uh, to accept where the limitations are. Okay. And uh, so I would apply that to what I think I can do. And I know we're going to talk about leadership. Mm-hmm. Um, and I already feel slightly uncomfortable about you talking about influencers and leaders and me remembering that it's me that's getting interviewed here tonight. So I'm slightly nervous around that. <laughs> but I think if I accept where my limitations are, then it's important that as a an organisation, Celtic FC Foundation, uh, accepts that it can't do everything. Mm-hmm. We can do anything, but we can't do everything. So... In that regard, what we've done in the past five months or so is in the main, we've worked with partners who we have a relationship with. Yep. Not exclusively, there's a few new partners there as well, and I think we're, we're close to 60, mainly in the west of Scotland, some in Ireland because we are a Scottish club with Irish roots, so it's important that we have a presence in Ireland. And we do a lot of stuff in London, so it's important for us that we have a presence in London. And you might view or your listeners might view London as this great financial capital, which it is, uh, but it also has an East End, the same as Glasgow has an East End. And the demographic there for a lot of people is very, very different and life can be very tough. I
0: completely agree, um, Tony. It's, and again, it's exactly the same here in here in New York. We're seeing so many different things happening. That, that's that's not unusual to this current situation. COVID. It's, it's you know there are there are a lot of issues with every big city, and and they need you know as many communities to pull together as possible. What we're going to do? We're going to take a, a, a short break in the moment. And when we come back, we'll kind of we'll look at maybe what is happening in New York because I know that we, we met here last year. Which was phenomenal, and then also dig into how you got involved with this and what your uh, what your background is, how you approach certain situations. You're listening to the Mind Behind Leadership. We're speaking with Tony Hamilton, who's the Chief Executive of the Celtic FC Foundation. My name's Graham Dobbin. We'll be right back after these messages.
2: You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network.
0: Welcome back you're listening to the mind behind leadership with me Graham Dobbin we're speaking with Tony Hamilton uh this evening from the Celtic Foundation um Tony you 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 mentioned that there was just for listeners here in New York there are there are some of the projects and we met here in New York what kind of things is the foundation been involved with here
1: we uh, had intended we have a, a big fundraising event every year in, in New York Um uh, at a very exclusive private members club in uh in uh, manhattan and we had intended to come and deliver some of our uh, inclusion and employability projects uh in summer and obviously covid changed all of that which is why we partnered with the the two charities that i i mentioned the children's aid and coalition for the homeless really to provide food for their clients so that's uh I'm hoping post-Covid to get back and and actually bringing some of what we do to the city. Uh, I I love New York. It's the third greatest city in the world after Glasgow and London. Uh, And we've got a massive support in the city, Graham. We've got five clubs across the five boroughs and uh, we've got a big, big support here. So, I mean, look, Celtic's got support, I know, all over the world in many cities. Why, Why is New York important? um it's important for a lot of reasons there's five clubs in such a small area so we've got about 60 registered supporters clubs in north america some in in canada but the majority of them in the united states and the majority of those are with the exception of washington state in the northwest and california (laughs) uh on the west the majority of those are on the eastern seaboard so Jersey, Connecticut, New York, Pennsylvania, Massachusetts, where there are expatriated Scots and Irish people, there tends to be Celtic supporters. But I have to say we we also have a lot of supporters who have no affiliation with Scotland or Ireland who are drawn to the famous green and white hoops and who love the football club and who love the Celtic story.
0: As far as sporting clubs are concerned, it's a fairly unique story. So how how did how did you get involved? Let's get into that.
1: Uh, I've been there for uh I started there in nineteen ninety-four. The club changed hands in in nineteen ninety-four. And um I was on a two-year management trainee programme with the rank organization in their bingo clubs, and I was coming to an end of that. Um, And I had probably could have had a career in in, in bingo, which is big business. I know people (laughs) laugh, but it actually is big business, especially in this part of the world. Um, An opportunity presented itself for me to go to Celtic as the stadium announcer and to help with some of the the media that they were creating at the time. This is in the main pre-internet days. Um, So I ran a premium rate uh, hotline, a telephone service, where I would interview the manager every day, which was Tommy Burns at the time, and I would interview the manager, record it, not dissimilar to what to what's happening in in radio now. Um, I would record the interview, I would upload it to this premium rate service, and people would phone and pay to listen to what the manager was saying. Um, I wrote for the uh, the club's magazine, which is called the Celtic View, and the match day program, the brochure on a match day. Uh, And then I worked through, we started broadcasting online. We started Celtic TV. Um, We did a lot of stuff. We did the very first Celtic TV broadcast uh, live from a pre-season game in 2000 uh, in Tampa, uh, the University of uh, South Florida, I think it was. Um, And we... It took Celtic TV, you know, from strength to strength, from broadcasting narrow band audio to full HD uh, TV, um, and I was involved in a whole series of things there as well. So it's been a it's been a journey. It's been a real journey. How, how did you then get involved with the foundation? So I was leading the multimedia. Uh, division at the time and about 7 8 years ago i had an opportunity to leave the club and i'd been there for nearly 20 years at the time excuse me to go and do something else and i was presented with a, a an opportunity to put two parts of the football club together which were the celtic charity fund at the time mm-hmm. and the foundation as a department of the the club um, and put them together and set up this new organisation, this standalone organisation called Celtic FC Foundation. Uh, and that seemed like a great opportunity uh, for me and a, a great challenge in setting up a, a new entity. Uh, so I, I've stayed and, and and that's what we did. Uh, that was in 2013. And we have... Um, made some strides, I think, in the, the past few years. We've still got a lot to do. I've still got a lot to learn about the the you know, that third sector, that charitable yep. uh, environment. Uh it's vastly different from media and journalism, language and how you speak with people and the things that you say are very, very different between the two. And it took me a long time to get to, you know, to get up to speed with that. But we've made some progress and uh, helped enormously by the football club and the success of the football club. That, more than anything, is Celtic FC Foundation's biggest asset, uh, is the football club and the football club brand. That's what opens doors for us. That's what makes uh, possible the things that we do but on a personal level i have had enormous support not just from the club's executive but from the the board of the the board of trustees of celtic fc foundation as well and th- these are uh, a lot of smart people some of them in the club some of them external to the club but leaders in their own right and uh, a real uh, group of smart people who have an opinion and who have given me a steer and continue to give me a steer, so it's been it's been a real exciting journey, Graham. You know, I'm I'm, I'm
0: thinking back when 1994. You're the stadium announcer. You're doing interviews with, with with the manager, which must have at that point seemed like almost the dream job that you were you yeah. involved in the club on a, on a daily basis. And now you're, you're 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 dealing with the third sector. You're lecturing. You're dealing with a PLC board, the board of trustees. You've got gala dinners where you've got characters like Rod Stewart coming around. Does it ever get intimidating?
1: I think uh, that you know there is very little point in worrying about things that you can't change, and that that's one of the things that I can't change. All we can do is prepare as best we can. Uh, You are alluding to the fact that there's a lot of personalities involved in in, in what I do and. In sport, generally, there's a lot of personalities. I have to tell you that there are no egos at Celtic. Uh, There's a lot of humility at the football club uh, from, you know, across the board. Um, And that uh, applies to the, you know, to the trustees, to the the team at the foundation and to the Celtic support across the world. People recognise why we're doing what we're doing. And they want to support us and they want to support us because they can support us, not because it's, you know, that, um, you know, for credit or for anything like that, it's because it's the right thing to do. And these people are in a position to help. So um, in terms of putting these events on and doing the stuff that we do, we, we just do it and we make mistakes and we learn and we correct them for the next time. But the dinners in New York have been phenomenal. And, you know, Rod Stewart was at the last one in October and uh, it never went to plan because he <laughs> wasn't meant to stand up and take over the auction uh, and and sing half a dozen songs. And it, it was incredible, actually. It was an incredible night. It, it, it well, I mean, I was there and it was, it was kind of one of
0: those nights that it was a little bit surreal, but it was just kind of the, the kind of thing that happens when
1: this group get together. Yeah, I think it's it's part of the charm of the football club. People Absolutely. are drawn to to Celtic. They're drawn to you know, at the risk of repeating myself. They're drawn to the Celtic story, to the 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 foundations of the club and why we're here and what we do and there's a there's a uniqueness about Celtic and every football supporter will tell you that about his or her club. But there is something special about this. The first team from Northern Europe to win the European Cup, which is now known as the UEFA Champions League. The first team to win nine consecutive league championships we have just equaled their own record and we're aiming for 10 this season. So there is something really, really special about the club and the people who've played for the club. And I think we've had a lot of big personalities play for Celtic and those people never forget where you know the, the the impact that Celtic had on their, their lives and their careers. Um, it, it's interesting, I'm, and I'm, I'm keen to know just a little bit more about you. Say the humility.
0: There's a lot of humility at the club from the, from from the top. How do you keep that when when you've got such an iconic brand when there's so much success? Um, how do you think the leadership manages to keep that, and I'm including you in this?
1: Um, how do you keep that humility? I think it's uh, it's about the individuals. Actually, it's not a r- really. It's become the culture. Okay, uh, but it, it it wasn't set as the culture. It's the it's just the people. It's the way people behave, and that's the important thing that um, that people behave accordingly, and they do their job, and they take great pride in their job, and they get annoyed with themselves when they it doesn't go well. It's no different from what you do or what, you know, people do at work. Yeah. Um, but there is a real humility there. Um, the, the football department, the players are grounded. They want to help. There's big demands on their time from a lot of quarters. Um, and it, it's a good environment. It's a really, really good environment at the moment.
0: Okay. After the break, we're going to maybe dig in a little bit more about your own leadership style, Tony. Just again, who's who's influenced you? What have you seen, maybe directly and even directly from the sporting side as well? And just get some more of that background. You're listening to the mind behind leadership. We're speaking with Tony Hamilton tonight, who's the chief exec of the Celtic Foundation. We'll be right back after these messages
5: listening to the talking alternative network at www.talkingalternative.com now broadcasting 24 hours a day talking
0: Listening to The Mind Behind Leadership here on NYC, we're speaking with Tony Hamilton. So, Tony, who do you look up to then?
1: Um I, uh, I'm in a fairly fortunate position in terms of there are a lot of influential people around me at Celtic, uh, not just in the football club or in the, the foundation, but um, people who are very influential, very successful business people. And I, we spoke about, or you spoke about learning earlier, and I learn by watching behavior. Um, and I think that's a good way to handle that situation, or that's a terrible idea. Uh, <laughs> so it's uh, you, it's a you lot. You ever tell them? <laughs> uh, oh, I've, I've just told you. um I think uh, it's about just watching how people deal with situations. I think is important, um, and what this has taught me is that um, your gut reaction may not always be the the best solution for an issue. Uh, it may just be better just to take a wee step back and and uh, and consider the options and. Uh I, I think just trying to be a, a bit more considered in, in in my approach. Okay. Is that something you've had to learn? I think uh, before I went to do the MBA, I would just have jumped in. Uh, you know, the answer would have come into my head and I would just have jumped in. And then uh, uh, I learned about scenario planning, for example, mm-hmm. and the consequences of making a decision and the consequences of the consequences. Um, so I, I don't think that means that you procrastinate. Uh, it still means that you get things done quickly. I, I listened yeah. to Russell Dougleish on your show a few weeks ago and, <laughs> and, and he spoke about clearing his desk. So I, I try and adopt that as we go forward, I try and get things done and not have anything outstanding Uh, but it it means now that I can just take a wee step back and think about a decision and the impact of that decision Um, uh, and that's about planning as well it's not just about reacting, it's about being on the front foot Um, and I'm not really a process guy if I'm honest Uh, That makes two of us, Tony It's not not my forte it's process, but uh, I think it's good to plan and good to consider what the options are. It, it, it's really interesting because
0: then um, you know I deal with leadership teams uh, all over the US and in some of Australia. and there is so much put on process at times that we actually forget <laughs> it's the people who implement the process and the process need, needs you know needs to align really well. So you've already mentioned that you' you're, you're dealing with a lot of um, very talented people. Uh, very talented leaders business owners um how do you find your voice in that then because you know I, I alluded to earlier how do you make sure that you you're getting your your uh, opinions over your ideas
1: um I mean I think sometimes it's uh, it can be a, a debate a healthy debate about what what the best route is and the the people who are I'm dealing with uh, uh respect my position, and uh, I have mutual respect for their position, and we we know the line, if you like, uh, and we and we work from there. But the, the, for me, this is not when I say I'm not a process pe- uh, person. It's not about process. It's really about people. Mm-hmm. It's about the people that we work with. It's about the people in the team. It's about the people who are trustees. Uh, it, and it's about relationships. It's about how you work with those people. So it, it's not the process of getting from A to B. It's the people who get you there, and and that's the key for me. It's really about the people. You know, mission and
0: vision are talked about all the time in business, and people struggle with this. But it kind of sounds like we may have different opinions, but we know we we know. Where we're going roughly, but we know why we're going there. And yes. when you when you've got that when you've got that
1: guide, I suppose it makes it easier for, for a lot of the conversations. And I think people are motivated. People understand why they're there. They take great pride in the brand. Whether they take pride in Celtic FC Foundation or they just take pride in the club brand, I, I I'm not overly fussed. I either way they take pride in, in this idea of Celtic. People motivate themselves. Um, I am very self-motivated and people think about the reputation. I said to you earlier that the biggest single asset we have is the football club brand. Therefore, the most important thing for us to protect is the, the, the reputation of that brand. So that's why we have to do things properly. We can't cut corners. We can't ignore correspondence. We can't ignore people, uh, people who reach out to us or get in touch with us. Uh, we need to do things properly, and everybody's aware of that, uh, and we move forward accordingly. So does that help in your communication? Because I know you've got you've got your direct team,
0: you've got people all over the world which may be supporters groups and different people who want to get involved. You've got trustees, you've got the PLC board. Does that help kind of
1: pull your communications? with for all those different types of groups, I think that that's the that's the commonality, is the, the 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 idea of doing the right thing and the pride in this brand, and all the stakeholders share that, whether they are a supporters' club in uh, the Bronx or whether they are in the foundation team or, you know, whether they're a third sector charity partner, they realise how we do things. Um, and uh, it, it's very helpful to have that in common. That, that that's the that's the bond that links us. Um, one of the things you mentioned
0: earlier was, you know, when the when the when the team's successful, that kind of helps. And, and there's, you know, we're on an unprecedented run at the moment. It just is is moving, um, slowly. So there's been a lot of success, especially over the last three or four years, um. How does it impact when it doesn't quite go right? Because I'm sure you've, you've
1: seen that as well. I'll be honest with you, in the time that I've been at the foundation, Celtic have been the dominant force in Scottish football. They've won the league in every year. We're now yep. going for the 10th consecutive league championship. I haven't had to face that really, uh, if I'm honest. There have been disappointments along the way, like yep. the club not making the UEFA Champions League, which is a big impact has a big impact financially on the football club, but it has a big impact on the supporters for a period of time because that's the the company that Celtic supporters want to keep. We saw the UEFA Champions League final in Lisbon uh, last night between Bayern Munich and Paris Saint-Germain. And our supporters, as a Celtic supporter, we aspire to be in that company. So there have been disappointments there. These things, excuse me, these things tend not to last for any great length of time. I think my job, if I'm honest, would be significantly more difficult if the football club wasn't successful. Uh, So I've been very, very fortunate in that regard. But what we always try and do is keep the idea that the biggest asset is the club brand, but let us uh, consider what would happen if the football club wasn't successful. How do we continue to get people to engage with us Uh, we know it's easier when the team wins how do we maintain that when the team don't win that's a uh, that's a a conundrum that kind of keeps me awake at night to be honest so
0: so i know there's been um a a commercial partnership now with with certic and uh, adidas does that does does the foundation get any kind of knock-on benefit when
1: they're when there's maybe two worldwide brands are joining together as well. It's very early in that relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, the uh, the Celtic supporters are loving the Adidas brand right now. We've waited all our lives for this. <laughs> However, I think um, I, I should say, I, I don't know how the Adidas thing will go. I've got great, great hopes around it. Uh, the previous... Um, manufacturer and kit supplier was New Balance who are not a million miles away from, from where you are. And they were a great partner for us. They provided us with 55,000 pieces of kit that we, that we sent across the world. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, they were a great partner and the club's partners generally. So Magnus, which is owned by CNC who are an Irish business, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, and uh, they're the, the back of the shop sponsor. They're a great partner for us. We have a great relationship with them. We do a lot of stuff together in terms of foundation stuff. Similarly with the, the car partner, uh, Fleet Alliance Intelligent Car Leasing, we've got great relationships there as well, uh, and we do a lot with them. So, uh, and Daffabet uh, are a big, big, big help for us. They're the, the, they're the shop sponsor. Uh, so I've gave these guys a plug. They deserve it because uh, they are in it for the right reason. It's not about headlines for their organisations. It's not about look at us. It's about how can we help you? That, that That's effectively where we get to with these organisations, and that's a great position to be in. And I'm hoping it'll be like that with, with Adidas as well.
0: It, it, it's interesting there's so many supporters of the club, sponsors of the club, um, commercial partners of the club still with with that similar ethos. So when when we're when we're looking at leadership and, and going ahead, I mean, I'm sure you've you you, you mentioned Tommy Burns. You'll have seen um, lots of people in the sporting side coming and going. Do you ever take anything from what you see there? How how situations are handled? Um, does
1: that influence you in any way? I think it's different uh, to watch football people doing their job. And football people in real life it's yes. not always the same um, that's why I, I think in a, I worked in a media environment for 20 years, I think it's grossly unfair to stick a microphone under somebody's nose at the end of a match that you've probably just lost I, I think you're going to get a reaction that doesn't reflect that individual um, uh, the majority of people that I've worked with in terms of football, are measured, calm, considered people. Neil Lennon, who's the football club manager, is a really intelligent guy. He's a well-read guy. Uh, He is very uh, helpful for me at the foundation. He came to New York with us. He's been in London with us. He's been in Ireland with us. He uh, facilitates the help that we need at the training ground. He's a great help for us. running up and down the touchline during a game, he's unrecognisable to the <laughs> person that he actually is, uh, so I think it's different, there's a bit of drama there uh, in football, it's an entertainment so people perform accordingly um, how they are in real life is you know, is often different Grail I, I was lucky
0: enough to spend some time with him when he was here in October last year and I absolutely agree completely different from kind of what you see in the television but I'm slightly different when I'm watching a game as well, Tony, than than I am at the moment. I can assure you on that. Um, You're listening to The Mind Behind Leadership. We're uh, talking with Tony Hamilton, who's the chief executive of the Celtic Foundation. Um, We'll be right back after this break.
4: Talking Alternative Radio, 24 hours a day.
6: alternative.com
0: back you're uh, listening to the mind behind leadership uh on talkradio.nyc, tony hamilton so um tell so what frustrates you about your role i'm really curious because it sounds like the dream role it really does but what, what can frustrate
1: I, I think um i am not the most patient person that you'll ever meet so things not happening quick enough f- for me is is very frustrating uh, I'm probably less frustrated than I should be around what's happened through COVID, because it's not peculiar to me. I haven't taken it personally. It's worldwide. But I think uh, I am quite, um, I'm quite impatient. I tend to put people under a bit of pressure, uh, and uh, I think that that, but it, what I mean by that is that. People will feel challenged in the environment often, but not but not worried about it. People wouldn't worry about coming to work. It's a good environment. Uh, there's a phrase here in the city that people make Glasgow, uh, and that, I think that's true of of what we do at Celtic FC Foundation. It's the it's the people uh, who are involved. It's the stakeholders who make it. Um, but it's probably patience. I I, I need. Uh, I'm not good at waiting. Uh, I'm not overly good at that. I don't think.
0: Uh, that, that's probably why you enjoy New York so much. I think one, one of my one of my uh, co presenters on here, I'm um, Jeff Goodman. The very first thing he said to me when I had my accent, we met in New York. He says, um, "New York is the Glasgow of the USA." So, <laughs> so he said, "There's so many similar traits that,
1: yeah. that, uh, that, that both cities and both people carry." I think that's very true. There's a real honesty about New Yorkers, isn't there? And uh, the, uh, I'm a bit like that. The, there's never any ambiguity. I think, you know, one of my colleagues said to me that, that you would never leave a meeting with me and wonder what I meant. <laughs> <laughs> uh, which I, I don't I don't think was a compliment, incidentally. But uh, <laughs> uh, Clear communication is something we
0: always say in leadership needs to happen.
1: Yeah, but As- there's... There's ways to do it, I think. You know, absolutely. But again, that's uh, uh,
0: sometimes it's cultural. um well, I'm just going to jump back. You mentioned earlier about you know we said at the beginning about you being a, 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 con- a continuous learner, um, and obviously you have got your MBA, uh, which has taken you to 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 being able to speak at, at St Andrews and Glasgow or the Glasgow Universities. What, what advice would you give someone who was maybe starting out a little bit earlier in their leadership career
1: or beginning to take on more responsibility? I think it's um, it's about uh, making up your own mind. It's about getting a wide perspective on things. Um, it's about listening to uh, people. Uh, I read a lot. I listen to, I do a lot of uh, podcasts, I listen to a lot of programming like this. Uh, I read CNN and BBC and then I read Twitter every morning to see what's happening in the world. Um, uh, I, uh, I think the, my advice would be uh, surround yourself by people who you can learn from. It may not be a behaviour that you wish to copy. Uh, for me, I'm interested in the culture of an organization and the subculture of an organization. And I'm more interested in the people of that organization than I am of anything else. It's, uh, I can't stress this enough. It's really about people for me uh, and relationships with people. So th- those are the types of things that have helped me. Um, I don't officially have a mentor. I have a guy who I meet periodically, uh who I see as my mentor I've never discussed that with him but he's a great sounding board for me Uh, and I think everybody needs somebody like that somebody who they they can just go and speak with and and get a view get a different view Um, I think that's important as well that you don't accept that you don't have all the answers and you'll never have all the answers
0: it, it, it's something that almost feels like it's only especially in business it's only kind of acceptable or been acceptable in the last few years that you've got maybe somebody officially that you can go to somebody that you can so some of us have kind of like relaxed mentors people who we who we know and we've come up with and others take on coaches and, and and advisors in different ways
1: yeah i i don't think i would ever formalize this 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 guy's Uh, somebody that I know through the football club that I've known for a number of years that I I trust. Um, I'm not divulging state secrets with him. I'm just asking his view on general situations. And uh, I enjoy meeting with him and speaking with him. Um, And he is, like me, uh, very, very direct, uh, which is quite helpful it's it's uh it's an awakening periodically for me what, what are you most proud of and everything you've done at celtic what is what, what are you most proud of um i suppose the glib answer would be that uh, i've not been found out after 26 years <laughs> um uh, i i am proud of uh, pre-celtic FC foundation i'm Proud of the content that we created. I made a lot of film about the football club and uh, its history and its big personalities like Billy McNeil and Jimmy Johnston and Tommy Burns and Henrik Larsson. And I created a history film over a period of years and this massive uh, um, 40-pound book called The Celtic Opus, which we produced over five years. I'm very proud of those things. In terms of the, the foundation, I am proud uh, of the work that uh, we do and the people who do it, whether that's foundation staff or um, club staff or the club executive or the foundation trustees who are all volunteers or supporters across the world or private funders and trusts. Anybody who can help us achieve our goals, I'm I'm uh, I'm enormously proud of that. I'm proud of the work that we do. I'm very proud of the football club and what it stands for and its place in in Scotland. Uh, and long may it continue. So, what do you what do you see your legacy being? What would you like to leave as a legacy? Uh, I, I think. I I'm, I I don't think I'm grand enough, if I'm honest, to have a legacy. I, and I'm I, I'm not I know I'm not as funny as I think I'm. I, I'm actually not being funny uh, in that occasion. I, I've never really thought that I would have a legacy per se. I don't. Um, it, it, it's not uh, either a short term or a long term goal for me. It, I, what,
0: might, wait, I, I suppose when I come when I come at it from from that angle, what I'm asking is, you've already said you've got somebody who you trust. And, you know, you you see them as maybe a mentor or somebody you can bounce off. We all have influence when we're we're working in this kind of environment and we will leave something behind, whether it's, you know, whether it's this huge grand legacy or just some kind of influence on other people. So do you see, what do you think people will say about Tony then?
1: I think if I was to leave today, uh, then it would be this fledgling organisation called Celtic FC Foundation, which is great potential uh, to help a lot more people it can do a lot more it has a big big impact uh, it has an impact on on people who are, are struggling and it's helped transform people's lives without being overly grand or uh, about it uh but it has a long long way to go there's so much more to do I, I hope i'm there for a period of time to to help do that uh and if i'm not then uh you know, the next leader or the next person can come in and pick it up and and make the changes as he or she sees fit.
0: We, we've only got a minute. This this hour has flown past, Tony. We've only got an hour or uh, a minute or so um, left. Just give us a snippet. What kind of things could be achieved? What do you see? Just a slight
1: insight. I think. Uh, I think the measure of what we do uh, in isolation. Uh, It's probably not going to change any great deal. But I think the real measure will be how society performs generally. So seeing more people in employment, for example, seeing food banks close rather than more opening, uh, seeing people who are excluded being included, so people who have autism or Down syndrome, seeing them uh, as we see ourselves, Graham. Yeah. those are the measures that society is moving on. And I think we're a wee bit away from that yet. Okay. Um, Tony, it's been an absolute pleasure. Um
0: Thank you for giving us some, some kind of insight in, into your world and in, into your philosophies and also giving us a, a, an idea of kind of where the, where the foundation is at the moment and it's influence in New York. Hopefully, Hopefully, I can maybe even persuade you to come back onto the programme at some time in the future. I, I would love that, Graham. Thank you very much indeed for having me on. So you've been listening to The Mind Behind Leadership with me, Graham Dobbin. We're on talkradio.nyc. And our fantastic guest this evening was Tony Hamilton, the Chief Exec of the Celtic FC Foundation. We'll see you again next week. Thank you for listening.
5: Hey, all you crazy listeners, looking to boost your business? Why not advertise on Talking Alternative with very reasonable rates? Interested? Simply email at info at Are
4: you a curious person, always asking questions? Do you desire to be in the know? Then join me, Antonia, host of So Now You Know, Thursdays at 5 p.m. at talkradio.nyc. Listen in as I attempt to satisfy that curiosity. I will be talking with amazing everyday people. Join the fun. So now you know on Thursdays at 5 p.m. at talkradio.nyc.
5: You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network at www.talkingalternative.com. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day.
6: Talking Alternative.